Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody's going to pay. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. And I'm the Night Owl. You're tuning in to Wrestle Talk. 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews for professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... What is up, Russia Talk fans and family? What the hell is going on? Nightmare Jones here once again, one more night for the Russia Talk podcast with Joe and Renee. And oh my goodness, do we have a show for you! Tonight, we got the high spot segment, we got the shoot and shout segment, we got the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge, we got the Fantasy Wrestling segment, we got the Snippets of Truth segment, we got everything you could even imagine, and if that's not enough for you, we have Tony Cozina coming on to the show, as well as a man that you may not have heard of, but you have heard his music, ladies and gentlemen, J.J. McGuire. To to put in perspective of what type of music we are talking about, this is one of the songs that he helped make. You may know this song. Ready? I've got the look that drives the girls wild. I've got the mood that really moves them. I said, chill, up and down there, fine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I'm just a sexy boy. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. I am talking about the one and only Shawn Michaels. That's just one of the songs that J.J. McGuire has helped do. I mean, we've got such a great, great, great night coming up tonight. We're waiting on the night out to uh, uh, call in. He should be calling in momentarily. I promise you,
I promise you he is going to be calling in. You know, there, there's so much stuff that, that we can actually talk about tonight. But before we get into that, uh, what I want you guys to do is bow your head as we pay homage to the greatest country in the world, and that is America, damn it. Oh, 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 say can you see and the rocket red flag? Uh oh, I'll make up for it now. For oh, the land of the free. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different. Usually, at this point, we go into high spots, but last week, we had a song that I wasn't really able, the intern team, we wasn't able to download, but we figured out a way, so what we're going to do is we're going to, to play a little bit of, of this song so that the audience, the Russia Talk Podcast fans and family are going to be able to listen to that. Song. So what I want you to do is I want you to pop whatever drink you open, whether it's water, whether it's soda, whether it's, it's beer, whether it's liquor, whatever it is, and I want you to sit back and relax as we listen to the song I Am DVD. <laughs> One thing I've always done is that I've always remained to stay who I am. I am DVD, and I represent the SP from You can definitely smoke too In my past, hope I did nothing to provoke you A northern cat going down her daisy tubes Rolling downtown with a really crazy crew One of a kind, Absolutely That is the new Rush Talk podcast Break song by a man that, that has helped support the, the Rush Talk podcast The one and only DVD So ladies and gentlemen, let's Go ahead and get into the high spot segment, and I have another treat for you, ladies and gentlemen. We have a new high spot segment song. The other high spot segment song was getting us flagged uh, because it's a popular song. So you know, so we we stopped getting flagged. We got ourselves a new high spot song. So, interesting. We go ahead and hit that music for me real quick.
time for the hash box, and if I'm not mistaken, we are joined by the one and only Night Owl. What is up, Night Owl? Que pasa, que pasa, que pasa, loyal members of the Wrestle Talk family. Forgive me for my tardiness, guys, as you probably already heard. We're just a couple of days away from Royal Alliance Wrestling this upcoming Saturday night. Tomorrow night, Journey Pro Wrestling takes over Kansas Hall once again. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm off the heels of one of the best shows I've been to all year long, XWE Seasons Beatings. And before the year is over, MEW is having their December show in Osawatomi, man. It has been absolutely insane. On top of all that, Jonesy, your boy is going to Wrestling Revolver. That's right. Sammy Callahan's very own promotion in Des Moines, Iowa on the 27th. Your boy, the Night Owl. My little man, Fury, we're taking that road trip. The Buffet Club's going to be joining us, man. We'll be right there on the front row getting ready to take in some of the best pro wrestling action on the planet, bro. I am on fire, Josie. Thank you, and I apologize again, amigos, for being late. It's just been a very, very busy time of year for me right now. But you knew I was going to be here one way or another. I mean, Wrestle Talk family, that's my heart. That's my family. You get what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, you can always count on the night out. Even if I'm a little late, I'm going to be here, bro. You can always take that to the bank. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I was able to play the new Wrestle Talk podcast, uh, uh, break song the, by the one and only DVD. I was able to to uh, get that downloaded, so we got that one good. We got a brand new High Spot song. I mean, we're ready to go, son. Oh, we are ready to go, Sean, and I'll tell you what, the improvements will continue uh, from this point forth. You guys will notice some different things uh, when it comes to the Wrestle Talk podcast come 2020. We're trying to up our audio quality and our video quality. Uh, one of the reasons I was late is I actually just got a new camera in that I'm going to be using on Saturday to film the show. So hopefully we'll be able to create some content for you guys. You can go to the YouTube channel and check out Royal Alliance Wrestling on YouTube. That said, bro, we got a lot of different things to talk about. I know I'm pretty hyped up, but before we go any further, allow me to answer Justin's question. Uh, Justin, you can go to WrestleTalkPodcast.com. You can shoot me a DM. You can shoot Jonesy a DM. Uh, and we can get to working on making you a custom mug. We will hand engrave your name, courtesy of Rat Bum Engraving in Osawatomie, Kansas. 20 bucks plus shipping. We'll send it to your house. And it's the gift that does not stop giving, okay? Because the T-shirt wears out. We all know how it is. Can't really play with memorabilia if you want it to be worth it in the future. This thing, brother, you can put hot cocoa in it. You can put beer in it. You can even put soda in it. It don't really matter. This thing will last you a lifetime. It is dishwasher safe. And the best part of it all, bar quality glass. And the Wrestle Talk Podcast Research Department has confirmed that your beer will taste 17.5% better if you put it into a Wrestle Talk Podcast mug. Hit me a DM, bro, and I'll get you started. I promise you'll have it first week of January. I want to give one last shout-out before we go on, bro. Uh, this upcoming, this past Saturday, man, I had a chance to meet a dude that was on the show with us recently, Jonesy, and that is El Vato Mat Loco, Chewy Martinez, was at, was at uh, XWE. He absolutely had the crowd against him in a matter of moments. He made such an impression that I know the good folks over there at XWE are planning on already bringing him back. 
We cracked up a, a couple cold ones after the fact. I thought he was going to be mean to me, you know, because he's real menacing and stuff like that. But once he gets a couple cold beers in him, he's actually a half-decent dude. Uh, uh, fortunately, he didn't make me pick up the tab or anything, which I was pretty happy about. But you know what, Chewy? Next time you're in the, uh, the good old KC area, bro, whether it be Kansas or Missouri, look up your boy the Night Owl. Look up the Russell Talk podcast. You are a part of the family, and we can't wait to run back into you again, man. Shout out, big shout out to the homeboy Chewy Martinez, man. No relation. <laughs> All right, Josie, what do we got, bro? Oh my goodness, there, 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 there is so much stuff that that we can talk about, and. Uh... I, I kind of want to talk about NWA Power, and I know that you watch NWA Power myself, and, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, NWA Power is by far one of the best wrestling shows that I'm seeing today. Like, it is absolutely amazing. Like, you, you, they don't have a huge roster but they don't need a huge roster. You know, they, they've got Colt Cabana. They've got Bo Cephas. They've got uh, Aaron Stevens. They, they've got, you know, so many wrestlers. And it looks like, like they have, have started a, a, a big stable with uh, Camille and the uh, a champion of uh, NWA as, as well. And it, it, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, were you able to watch the uh, newest episodes of NWA Power yet? I absolutely was, man. And let me start off by saying that uh, though I was a huge fan of Jim Cornette as the commentator, because I think he is one of the very best to ever do it. Not only is he one of the greatest managers of all time, I think he's one of the greatest commentators of all time. Okay? But if you had to find a suitable replacement, I don't know how you could have gone wrong with Stu. Stu came in, did an absolutely fantastic job, self-admittedly, huge shoes to fill, and I think he did a fantastic job. I think his interview with Marty Skrull was, was, was phenomenal. And let me just tell you, seeing the villain in NWA almost gave me chills. You want to talk mm-hmm. about a guy who is in tune with his character, man. Marty, the villain, is a guy that is in tune with his character. What he's lacking in size, he makes up for, for, for in charisma. And his ability to connect with the crowd. His very first appearance on NWA TV, we were getting a future champ, future champ, future champ. If that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what does, man. I'm very excited about NWA. What are some of the things that have you excited about what they're doing, Jonesy? Oh, uh, dude. The number one thing, the dude that is like one of the most over wrestlers there, the question mark, karate. That dude is freaking <laughs> awesome. He's so over with the fans. Like, he doesn't have to say anything. All he has to do is put his hand up, and the the audience goes absolutely nuts. It is, 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 is absolutely amazing, and, you know, uh, eventually they're going to end up turning him face, and, you know, he's probably going to turn on Aaron Stevens, and, you know, it's just, NWA power is just, it, it's it's not like the WWE, it's not like AEW, it's his own thing, and and it, it's definitely, definitely working. They uh, just had their uh, first pay-per-view uh, into the fire, and 
that was absolutely awesome. I mean, you've got Melina, you've got Marty Bell, you've got uh, Thunder Rosa, who has been on the Wrestle Talk podcast. So, you yes. know, NWA Power has definitely got things going for him. Dude, they absolutely do. And let me tell you something, man. Who the hell would have expected it? Here's further evidence that once you leave WWE, your career is not over. Because what Aaron Stevens has been able to do over at the NWA is phenomenal. They're giving him that opportunity, and he's taken it, man, and he's run away with it. I'm a huge fan with him uh, as champion there. Uh, I think that he can antagonize the antagonist. That's how good he is. Not sure why he's with the question mark right now, but I think you might be right, Josie. That may be uh, what ends up finally putting the question mark all the way at the very top of the NWA roster, maybe behind somebody like Nick Aldis, is a rivalry with Aaron Stevens. I'm very excited about what they're doing. Uh, the only thing I will say that I'm a bit critical of um, is that they're putting a lot of different people on commentary. And I'm not saying that these people are not capable. What I'm saying is not everybody is made for that, okay? I love Eddie Kingston. I think Eddie Kingston keeps it 100% real. I think he's one of the, the, the most genuine guys in professional wrestling. I just don't know if his message gets across as well as I think maybe like a Samoa Joe does because uh, uh, the King and, and, and Samoa Joe have a lot of similarities, right? They're both kind of street cats, got a little hood edge to them. The difference is that you can hear it very clearly everything that Samoa Joe says when he's on the microphone, when he's calling matches on Raw, I just don't know if I feel the exact same way about Eddie Kingston, even though I think he's tremendously talented. I'm not sure that they should be bringing people like that in for an extended period of time on the commentary table. I think that's what promos are for. That's what matches are for. For the most part, unless it's a special occasion, leave the commentating to the commentators, okay, because in a ca- on occasion, it will take away from what's going on inside the ring. Just my personal opinion. That's me being a little nitpicky. But that said, dude, they are getting, as far as I'm concerned, the 4.5 out of 5 super kicks up to this point for NWA, if we're using the, the 5 as the highest on your, you know, rating system and we're calling them super kicks, I'll give them 4 out of 5 with a, a couple of small things like, again, the question mark with Aaron Stevens doesn't really make sense right now. Maybe it will. And then some of the guys that they've been throwing up on the commentary table that I think maybe shouldn't necessarily be there. But those are just my thoughts, bro. I'm not trying to be a hater, but, hey, you want me to be objective, I'm being objective, right? <laughs> That's right, and, and you, you know, the funny thing is, is me being a fan of the question mark, I did what everybody else did, and I looked up who is the question mark, and I was surprised to find out who the question mark is. I don't want to ruin it for you, so if you don't want me to tell you who it is, I'm not going to tell you who it is. Well, listen, I, I'm, I'm already having enough problems because I'm here in the studio, and the gremlin keeps snacking on his job. He's supposed to sit up and look down and watch my back, but he keeps sliding and trying to get down to my beer. All right, there. I got it. The gremlin is good, finally. Relax over there. Uh, yeah, well, can you repeat the question, bro? The, the gremlin was acting crazy over here. What I said was I was looking. Uh, I did what every other fan did, and I looked up who was actually underneath the mask of the question mark, and I know who it is, but I was kind of surprised. And, you know, I don't want to mention it because I don't want to ruin things for you. But if you want me to, I can tell you who is no, the best No, no, no. What, what do you guys say? WrestleTalk family, I got a couple of people on the YouTube, got a people on the Facebook live stream. What do you guys think? Should, you guys want to know who the question mark is for NWA? Leave a comment. 
We'll give you guys about five minutes to vote, and if you guys want to know who it is, we will reveal it right here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. Man, here's another thing, real quick, that I wanted to talk to you about. Jonesy, much yes. to my pleasure, much to my excitement, we revealed, and, and a lot of people have been taking the poster, and we appreciate that, you know, kind of, maybe not so much, because all you got to do is kind of retweet or share our original post instead of stealing our picture and putting it up on your own page and taking credit. Okay, wait, this is not the shooting shout segment. My bad. Let me relax. Okay. We have press credentials for AEW. And so we get pictures, posters, videos, things before all the fans, before it all goes out on social. So I wake up, I see our email from AEW. They send us one every single week. Okay. And I see this poster that AEW is coming to Civil Stein Eye Center in Independence, Missouri, which only happens to be a few minutes from my house. I share it. Everyone's super excited. Tons of reaction. And then nobody wants to give your boy credit. They want to steal a picture and use it on their own. That's fine. I know people steal memes or whatever, but come on, guys. We're doing all the work. At least give us a little credit. At least tag us or something. But anyway, that's not really what, what, what matters. What matters is that they're traveling west, Jonesy. I know you went. You were at one of the very first AEW tapings. I believe it was the very first Dynamite ever. Yes. What can people expect at the Silver Sky Iron Center? I believe it's in February, maybe at the end of January. It doesn't really matter. They're coming to town. What can fans expect by going to an AEW show versus what they would expect to see if they went to, like, a SmackDown or Raw taping? By the way, we have video of your whole adventure at the show, which was great, yeah. right, because we were trying to give tickets away in the whole nine. But can you tell the fans, since you've actually been to an AEW Dynamite taping, What's different? What makes it better? What makes it worse? Go. Um, you know, it, it, it's 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 almost like a different experience. You're going to see a lot of uh, wrestling fans there, obviously, because you know it, it's a wrestling show. Um, you're you're going to see a lot of 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 different styles of wrestling fans. You know, Bullet Club fans, New Japan Pro Wrestling fans. Um, you know, the, the the atmosphere is absolutely amazing, and from the first bell to the last bell, you're going to be thoroughly entertained, 100%. You're going to be entertained. Um, you know, the a, a lot of times when you go to wrestling shows, especially Raw and SmackDown, you got to stand in line, you know, to get the uh, souvenirs and stuff. At the AEW that I went to, of course, it was the first one, there wasn't really too much of a line. So you didn't have to stand in line to get, you know, your uh, souvenirs and, and stuff. And, and they're not really that expensive. So, you know, it's just, it, it, it's a good, good alternative to the WWE, 100%. Well, guys, we are going to be creating an event page. We're going to get the whole Wrestle Talk podcast family ready that day. And we're going to make the trip out to Silverstein. We're going to try to maybe buy all the tickets at the same time. Um, I'm going to talk to my boy Adam and my boy Sonny and my boy Brandon and Dewan and everybody here locally. And we're going to try to make that happen. I think we're going to be able to pack about 20 or 30 of our group. And if we can all manage to sit together, we are without a doubt going to be the loudest bunch in the building that night. So if you want to be a part of that, let me know. I'm going to create the event uh, here in a couple of weeks. That way, anybody who's coming can kind of coordinate with us. We can collect money, buy the tickets at the same time, so that we can all sit together. It's going to be a hell of an experience. 
And you guys already know, when we put together watch parties or, or anything when it comes to, like, going out to a wrestling show or whatever it is, we always do it real big, just like we do over at eSports in Shawnee, Kansas, our boy B-Will. Uh, they host all of our watch parties. We've got another one coming up for the World Rumble in January. Make sure you keep an eye on Wrestle Talk Podcast on Facebook and also on the website for more information on that. But trust me, we are going to be at AEW, and we're going to hold it down, baby, because nobody goes harder than the Wrestle Talk Podcast family. So definitely be on the lookout for that, man. It should be a good trip. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you're going to have 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 a lot of fun. And the one, one of the best things is that by going to one of the AEW shows, you have a good chance of meeting one of the the AEW fans, uh, uh, not not fans, but actually wrestlers. Like uh, there 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 was uh, uh, one of the tag teams that was outside signing autographs. Uh, you know, Cody Rhodes, you know, pops up here 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 and and there. You know, he signs signs autographs. So you got a good chance of getting a autograph from one of the wrestlers for AEW when you go there. Um, I guess the other thing I wanted to bring up was Ring of Honor has a brand new heavyweight champion. PCO, who's like 46 years old, won the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship uh, last weekend. So congratulations to uh, PCO, man. Yeah, that is huge. And you know what? For all the negativity... And, you know, the backlash that Ring of Honor has been getting, I think they did a very good thing because PCO is highly respected. He's done some work in my area. I know he's done some work in yours. You know, we talked to John Cosper last week about this, and he was um, he, he had a great perspective. Uh, I went back and listened to the show, you know, make sure how, get better, right? We like to go back and make sure we did a good job uh, for the WrestleTalk family. And he said that they need to subscribe to the Impact Recovery Plan. And I like how he said that because – Impact is definitely trending upward. And what did they do? They stuck to their guns. They kind of rebranded. They put some new people in charge. They dropped the TNA. They decided to just go to Impact. And they started giving their product out basically for free. And a lot of people would say, well, why are you doing that? You've got big main stars on Impact. And there are some great stars. I mean, Michael Elgin is not a punk, ladies and gentlemen. This man wrestles Wrestle Kingdom. Brian Cage was a main eventer with Lucha Underground. Taya Valkyrie, obviously doing big things all over the pro wrestling world, okay? And Jordan Grace, one of the hottest women in professional wrestling today, and don't even get me started on Tessa Blanchard, okay? Ring of Honor has a lot of talent. Unfortunately, all of them are currently in NXT. <laughs> so they need to do what they need to do is stand pat and get back to what they're good at, developing talent, telling good stories, okay, and giving some of these younger guys an opportunity. I know making PCO your champion isn't necessarily giving a younger guy their opportunity, but I'll tell you what, BCO deserved it. Now, as big of a Briscoe fan as I am, do we really need a 13th Briscoe championship tag run over at Ring of Honor right now? Is that really what they need? I love the Briscoes, bro. No disrespect. But at this point, how are you going to kind of usher in a new era of talent if you keep giving the belt back to Jay Lethal and the Briscoes? I mean, come on, Ring of Honor. you got to try something different. you got to take a chance. There's a lot of incredible unsigned talent. We talked to one last week. I mean, we talked to Billy Stars. Why isn't she a part of the Ring of Honor women's division? I don't know. Dak Draper, a local favorite here in, in the Kansas City area, did the top prospect tournament. Did he get a contract? No. Why? I don't know. The guy's 6'5". 
225 pounds. Looks like a million dollars. Great on the microphone. Great in the ring. Why are these people not getting signed? Why not push Punishment Martinez to the top of your card instead of letting him go to NXT? I don't, I'm sorry, uh, Damian Priest, whatever. You get what I'm saying? Like, like, they've got all these resources in front of them, and they don't realize how good these people are until they're gone. And mark my words, the same thing is going to happen with Shane Taylor. Shane Taylor was on the show four months ago, and we told everybody, this dude is about to have the dopest run. And I think he held their TV title for about six months, whatever that championship is called. And it was the best thing that anybody done with it in a very long time. And what do they do? They're about to let Shane Taylor get away along with Rev Run. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Reverend Rock Hunt, who has also recently been on the show. So, you know, bring honor, listen to John Cosper, a guy who's written multiple books, who's been around legends his whole life, been honored at the Cauliflower Alley Club. Take a step back. Stop trying to, 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 to force feed something down the throat of people that don't want it. And clean slate, start over, because I personally want to see Ring of Honor continue the tradition of bringing up some of the best talent in pro wrestling that nobody's heard of yet. And a few years later, you're seeing it, folks, some of the very best talent. Hey, the whole Undisputed Era is for Ring of Honor, for God's sakes. I mean, come on. Come on. Some of the hottest guys on the planet, Jonesy, they let them all go, and they don't realize how good they are until they're already gone. It doesn't make any sense to me, brother. It makes no sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I could not agree more. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. We have our first guest on the hold right now. So why don't you go ahead and, and introduce our first guest, Renee? Well, I can absolutely do that, Nightmare. Uh, but before I do, allow me to say this. Thank you, everybody who's currently watching us live. Thank you for hitting the thumb, hit, for hitting the heart. Uh, when we see those things fly across the screen, it means a lot to us. It encourages us to keep going and doing a great job. I also want to thank uh, a couple of different people uh, before we bring on JJ. Uh, first of all, uh, Mike and you, uh, local podcast uh, based here out of Kansas City. The host, his name is Michael Walton. Uh, he is a huge Patriots fan who does a football podcast in Kansas City. Got a chance to call in and talk some football with him last week. Uh, he's available on Anchor FM. Look him up. It's Mike and You, I believe what it's called. If not, just shoot me a, a message, and I'll send you a, a link directly. Also, you can go to my personal Facebook page, go down the timeline, and look for Mike and You. Uh, pretty good recap on uh, week 14 of the NFL. Uh, got, gave us a lot of love. Shout-out to both Royal Alliance and the Wrestle Talk podcast. Uh, number two, shout-out to Robert. With Breaking Fave, I was on his show Sunday night. Uh, it should be getting released sometime tomorrow. And we talked a little wrestle talk, a lot about Royal Alliance. Love those guys. And then, man, of course, my favorite Chiefs podcast on the planet, um, Adam Frex is going to serve as one of our uh, commentators at Royal Alliance Wrestling. Uh, Talking Dynasty, man, if you guys love the Chiefs and you're here local uh, or maybe beyond because there's – Chiefs fans all over the country. They even have a Chiefs bar in Philadelphia, from what I hear. Make sure you guys look him up on SoundCloud. It's Talking Dynasty, hosted by Adam Frex, man. He's an absolutely wonderful guy. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention our newest sponsor, King Cade, Oak Park Mall. Look them up on social media. Give them a like. Tell them the night I'll send you. That's King Cade. Those guys are doing a wonderful job of supporting the Wrestle Talk podcast. You're going to hear a lot about them in the future if you continue to watch the show. 
vintage collectibles and memorabilia, including pro wrestling and vintage arcade games, full size for sale. They actually even let you play them before you buy them. You can't beat Kincaid. That's Kincaid slash Retro Zone at the Oak Park Mall, right outside of Nordstrom's, right next door to the 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 the, the food court, which is where I'm most familiar with. Okay, the food court for obvious reasons. Make sure you guys look them up, man. There are supporters, and we're supporters of them. All that said, ladies and gentlemen, all the plugs out of the way, it is time to roll out the red carpet for what I consider to be a pro wrestling VIP. Now, we all contribute to this world of professional wrestling in different ways. Some of us are commentators, such as yours truly. Some of us are referees, just like my partner, Nightmare Jones. But the people that hardly get any notoriety, in my opinion, are the people responsible for the soundtracks to our lives. And when I say our lives, I mean the music we hear in pro wrestling. We all love doing it Saturday morning when it's time to get up early and clean up the house. We all put theme songs on, and we listen to them, and they get us all fired up and make us feel like our favorite professional wrestlers. Well, this gentleman, former bandmate with the mouth of the south, this guy is working with Vince McMahon and the production team back when it was still WWF. Help compose some of the most memorable songs in pro wrestling history. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about none other than the legend, the hurricane, J.J. McGuire. I've got the look that drives the girls wild. I've got the move that really moves them. I said, chill, up and down there, fine. I'm just a sexy boy. What's going on, JJ? Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm uh, having a great time, and thanks for playing Sexy Boy, one of my faves. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> sir. Absolutely. I mean... I mean, you know, you have written over 114 themes for professional wrestlers such as, you know, Demolition, Greg the Hammer, Valentine, The Genius, The Heartbreak Kid, you know. Some may even consider you the master of professional wrestling ring music. Uh, How did you get involved in making wrestling ring music? Well, that's a great question, and I'll attempt to answer it the best way I know how. Uh, when I was a little boy, my dad used to take me to uh, regional wrestling, and, of course, I didn't pay a bit of attention to it. I was more interested in running around and doing my own goofy things. But my father used to tell me a story when I was young many times over about how that my grandfather, Dr. John McGuire, saved the life of Strangler Ed Lewis, who was the original Hulk Hogan in the early 1900s of the, uh, you know, uh, American uh, history. And, I, you know, I didn't pay much attention to that, but over time I sure did. And what it was is Strangler Ed, uh, again, he was the first actual Hulk Hogan. He was actually has made more money in professional wrestling than Hogan and Austin and all of them tied together in comparison to what money was worth in the day. And he was a worldwide sensation also. And he was also imperative in the formulation of capital wrestling 
which was Vince McMahon's grandfather, Jeff McMahon. And then that later went on to become, as you all know, the WWF, the WWF, and then the WWE. So anyway, my dad told me this wild story about how the strangler got choked. He was coming to the ring, and a fan slapped him on the back, leaned over the rope. They didn't have a rail then. And he got gagged. Uh, uh, And so people at first wondered what was going on. And I'd like to remind the audience that in those years of professional wrestling, in the early professional years, people dressed to the nines and very wealthy people went and it was a very uh, formal event. And uh, at any rate, so he was choking. And so granddad being a local surgeon there in Lexington, Kentucky, and it was at the opera house there. He, uh, he saw what was happening. And so they got on the megaphone said, there's a doctor in the house with dad, granddad and dad were already there. My future dad. And so uh, I don't know if he hammered him or how he did it, whatever, but he got the gun dislodged. But Strangler was losing consciousness. So uh, he came to at the last moment. He told my grandfather and my future father-to-be to come to the back. He wanted to talk to them. And he, he told my grandfather, he said, Dr. McGuire, you've saved my life. I want to thank you. And in doing so, I would like to give you either a new horse and buggy or one of those newfangled cars. Cars hadn't been made, but just a few years wow. prior, this is about ni- 1929, you know. And so Granddad said, nope, can't do it because, you know, I took a Hippocratic Oath to help people. And plus, I'm a wrestling lover. And so uh, he looked down at my father, future father-to-be, and my dad looked back up at him. And then Granddad looked at Strangler and said, Strangler, I tell you what, lifetime ringside seats would be a pretty good thing. Strangler said, done. And so that was how that went. And then decades later, I was born and wound up getting involved in, you know, some of the uh, most known themes in wrestling history, I guess. It was just a lucky break, and I was trained for it. I had classical music training as a child and uh, loved wrestling from childhood up, uh, sit on Saturday mornings and eat the cereal and watch, uh, you know, everybody go over the top rope and whatever, and a guy named Oh, yeah. Randy Savage made his debut. I remember seeing that. I said, this guy here is going to be the greatest thing in wrestling. And he sure was. And uh, anyway, so I I wound up in it in a strange, uh, sounds like a Twilight Zone story, but it is true. And uh, Jimmy Hart and I were in the Gentries together. And we'd had hit records in the Gentries. And uh, we liked each other and we were friends. And I became very close to his family and children and you know i was just like one of the family pretty much and uh, so anyway we were down working on some music of our own and uh, as the gentries and uh jimmy was doing some work with jerry lawler in the mid-south but jimmy was only selling jimmy hart was he was only selling merchandise out in the lobby he wasn't a manager yet so lawler asked him he said uh jimmy would you like to be a ring manager and believe this or not jimmy hart says King, how do you do that? And we know how that all wound up. So so Jimmy called me. Lawler had an idea for uh, doing a record to sell out in the lobby, you know, uh, merchandise at the gimmick tables out there. And uh, so he and Jimmy did a conference call and called me one day up here in Kentucky. I was just sitting around uh, doing nothing. And uh, this is Jerry Lawler, the King Lawler. And I went, hey, King, how are you? Been watching Mid-South uh, since childhood. Love you. Of course, you know, Jimmy Hart and I were in the Gentries together, and 
He went, yeah, I know all about you, McGuire. Now, listen, I'll get right to the punch. I said, please do. King says, I'd like to do a record to sell at the matches. Okay, now, this is before WWF was, they were nothing more than a local promotion in uh, New Jersey and part, you know, doing uh, high school gymnasiums and, and uh, you know, that sort of thing. No big deal yet. So, really, the first record that I did was for Jerry Lawler, and it was his idea, and he did real well with that. And what we did is is I took a song by Neil Sadako called Breaking Up is Hard to Do, and I yeah. rearranged it disco, disco style uh, because it was in the disco era. This was in the latter 70s. So the king flew me to Memphis, put me up, paid me $1,000. Uh, Jimmy wrote the lyrics, you know, or adjusted the lyrics and sang it so that uh, Lawler could – listen to his vocal track and match it the best he could and sing along. And Lawler did a pretty good job on it, actually, for somebody that's not a singer, to be honest with you. But it and went over real well. Then Handsome Jimmy Valiant, he wanted it on action. So then did one for Handsome Jimmy Valiant. That was the second one. Okay, then one day I was at Jimmy's house, and we were working on some music uh, for ourselves, gentry music, whatever. Phone rings. Jimmy answers it, and uh, he goes, hello? And then he just stands there, and he doesn't say anything for a moment. And he listens, and he says, okay, boys, sure, and slammed the phone down, hung up. I said, who was it, Jimmy? Ah, oh, it's the boys. They're pulling some kind of rib. I said, well, who well, was it? He said, well, the, I, when I answered, they said, hello, uh, Jimmy Hart, this is Vince McMahon. He said, I knew it was the boys ribbing. You know, there's no way that's real. And I said, and then the phone rang again immediately while he was telling me this. All right, he picks the phone up. It's Hillbilly Jim, and Hillbilly Jim's in the office with Vince in New York. And he says, Jimmy, it really is Vince. I'm up here with him, and Vince has been—he's been looking at your tapes and stuff, the Mid South tapes, and he wants you to come up and talk to you about doing some WWF stuff. Jimmy said, "Oh, oh okay," but he hung up on Vince McMahon. Figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. oh, Isn't it great? So Let me tell you all something. I'll tell you something once and for all. As you know, uh, I'm a little bit older than you guys, and I've been around a little while. But you guys are probably smarter than me because you got more media that you can keep up with on a daily basis. But I tell you what, wrestling is more, wrestling is a supernatural thing, and it is also one of the the greatest people things that's ever been invented. Uh, I've met more wonderful people through wrestling, Uh, icons of film, icons of music, icons of all walks of life and different types of entertainment really love wrestling. And it's just unbelievable. Wrestling has been such a, a wonderful gift to me, and not only the me, but the folk as well. And people say, well, you must have a pretty big ego of writing all those great uh, entrance themes, the greatest of all time. You must have quite an ego, Mr. McGuire. And here's what I tell people when they say that. I say, thank you for noticing that to start with. But I'd like to say this, that I wrote all that music and played all those parts on all those songs. I didn't do it for my ego. I did it for the world's ego. And that usually people understand that. But I had no idea it would be as big as it became. And I sure as heck didn't think that this many years after the fact that anybody would even care. But one day my my kids came home from school and my son uh, was 14 years old. And he said, Dad, would you text these people? And I said, who are they? He said, well, their kids are going to school with them. He said, they asked me if you, uh, is your dad the wrestling music man? Now, these are kids that are 13 and 14 years old, and I couldn't believe that. I thought, oh, my gosh. I said, 
if kids that young even care at all or have any idea about who I am, then maybe, you know, I owe it to the people to go back out and talk about it and answer questions and, uh, and and thank the people for caring, you know, basically. Wow. What a, 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 a story. I mean, oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. You know, just, just the, the, the fact, you know, that, that, that you, know, you were able to work with, with Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon senior, uh, that is, is, Absolutely awesome. Um, my my next question before I throw it to my co-host, uh, the Unita, is uh, you were actually a member of Hulk Hogan's wrestling boot band. Can can you tell us about your time in Hulk Hogan's wrestling boot band? Sure, I'd be glad to, and, and thank you again for asking. Uh, I really do appreciate it, and it was a lot of fun. First of all, as most as you would think it would be, and it was. Uh, pretty much Hulk one day, Jimmy and I again, were, we were down in Tampa. Jimmy had moved from Memphis to Tampa by this time in the early 90s. And uh, we were working on some of our own music again. And we, we had some, some wrestling music we were working on. And the phone rings. And Jimmy answers. Uh, this time it wasn't Vince McMahon, but it was just as good. It was uh, Hulk Hogan. So Hulk says, uh, Jimmy, what's going on? He says, well, McGuire's down. We're working on some music, some more wrestling themes, and some of our own music, too. And he's down here for about two weeks and whatever. And, he, and Hulk said, well, just sit still. I'm on my way over. And Jimmy said, sure, Hulk, sure, sure. Great. And he hung up. And Jimmy was kind of bewildered once again. And I said, during the headlights look, and I said, what is it, Jimmy? What's going on? He said, Hulkster's coming over. I said, well, that sounds good. Of course, I had already met him and been around him some you know, uh, doing the other music for the other people in WWF and whatever. And I knew Hulk uh, to a degree and everything, but not as well as I got to know him after we got involved in all this, of course. So uh, at any rate, so he came over to Jimmy's and he sat down and he adjusted his headband and sat across the room in a chair from us and went, okay, brothers, I want to do some music. And we said, sure, Hulk, sure. I mean, what are you going to do? Look at Hulk Hogan when he says that? Go, no, Hulk, we can't do any music. No, we said, sure, Hulk, what do you got in mind? And he said, well, before I get too old to do anything, he said, I want to do some music again, and I'd like to just do some sort of music project. And so Jimmy and I looked at each other and said, well, sure, we can do that. No problem, Hulk, sure. Uh, what do you have in mind? He said, well, I figured you guys are the guys that know, so I just want to put something together. So right then and there was the creation of the Wrestling Boot Band. And we went to the studio. First of all, we went over to Hulk's beach house that he had at the time. And I brought down all my studio uh, portable equipment and set up in the living room. And we worked on the music. And Jimmy, I primarily do the music. And Jimmy does lyrics and makes suggestions about the music. Like when I wrote the Rockers theme, I wrote it and it kind of went dun, 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 dun. Jimmy said, wait a minute. He said, those guys run 110 miles an hour to the ring. They're to the ring like, faster than the Flash is in the comic book. He said, it needs to be faster. And I went, you know, you got a point. So I went, dun, 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 dun. Stuff like that, though, makes a song. So that's where Jimmy and I are, are, work together. I mainly write the music and come up with musical idioms and ideas. But then Jimmy makes those critical uh, last-moment suggestions that really make it everything that it could be in form. And then he did primarily the lyrics on most of the music as well. But I wrote 
majority of all the music and performed it and recorded it and whatever. So anyway, uh, we put that together over at uh, at Hulk's Beach House, and then we went to the studio and uh, down in Tampa. And I believe the uh, Siberian uh, Orchestra bought the studio that we, it was called Morris Sound Recording, but the Trans Siberian Orchestra bought it just for their personal purposes and stuff, and they own it now. But we recorded the whole album there, and I played ninety. 98% of all the instruments on that album and wrote the bulk of the music and Jimmy did the lyrics. And then Hulk contributed on the lyrics some as well. And uh, that's pretty much how it went. But I did the work of about 30 people on that. I, I played all the instruments, the majority of it. I, I engineered it. I mixed it uh, with Jimmy there with me, you know, going, yeah, sounds good, McGuire. I think, you know, such and such should be a little louder, maybe whatever, but make the suggestion. But uh, we had a great working relationship. We had a, a Jimmy and I had a great relationship in the Gentries, and I became musical director for the Gentries. And then, of course, when this wrestling stuff came up, uh, you know, we were ready to go. But we were we were lucky that all those icons to be were were coming in at that time uh, in '86 is when I started doing it. And uh, you know, it was just a great thing for everybody. They, you know, some of the greatest that's ever been came in during that time. And, we were lucky enough to do those themes. And uh, Jim Johnson, who had done, and usually gets a lot of the main uh, credit for a lot of the WWF uh, and E type music and whatever, uh, he actually uh, got an uh, opportunity to do music for Deep Space Nine. It was a science fiction TV show. And he couldn't keep up with the, uh, the influx of talent that kept coming in literally almost weekly there at one time. So uh, that's how we we got in there, and we pretty well we had ninety we had ninety six percent of all WWF theme music between nineteen eighty eight and up almost to two thousand. Wow, yeah. that is absolutely amazing! Wow, Renee, why don't you come in here with whatever questions you have? Because I know you've been chomping at the bit. <laughs> well, absolutely, and again, JJ, thank you for for making time for us. Uh, we're glad uh, that you had that experience. I know you told that story just uh, a few minutes ago. One of your kids came home, and they were getting questions, and you're like, wow, if the kids these days know about uh, what I did back in the day, maybe it's worth getting back out there and doing something. And I know that one of those, thing, those things, aside from doing interviews uh, like the one you're doing here with us here on the WrestleTalk podcast, is that you teamed up with last week's guest, John Cosper, and you guys kind of collabo tag team, so to speak, on a book that details a lot of the things that you did in the world of professional wrestling during that time. Can you tell us a little bit about going into the process of wanting to put it all on paper, and when you went back and actually had a chance to read the book, how you felt about it? Well, when I read the book, I thought I was reading about somebody else. I mean, it's it just, it's almost, it, I mean, it almost is like a Walter Mitty gimmick where, you know, here's this guy, he's from a little town. All of a sudden he goes to sleep and takes a dream and he wakes up and he does some of the greatest wrestling music. He wakes up and works with some of the greatest music people that's ever been in the industry. He wakes up and he's worked with some of the biggest film stars that's ever lived. He wakes up, but that's what happened to me, brothers and sisters. I woke up one day and all these things just kept happening and they still are to, to quite a degree. 
And I can't tell you why and why me? Why is it, you know, why did I wake up and do these things and somebody else didn't? Like, brother, I can't answer that. But all I can say is, is that I always did all this. I didn't get into it for the money. Believe it or not, I didn't get into it for the women. But believe it or not, I didn't. I got into it for one reason, because when I started out, when I performed in combo groups, which that's what you call it, like when the Beatles came out, they were a combo band, so to speak. Well, I came out at the same time kind of the Beatles did and whatever. I played in bands like that. And I just loved it when I looked out in, in the crowd and played these sock ops and these, you know, proms and stuff. And people were just having a field day, having a good time. And I thought, man, this is all, forget about all that other stuff. This is what's all worth, you know. And that, that's how I did it. But now uh, back to John Cosper. Uh, John Cosper and I, uh, I met him. Uh, Jim Phillips was originally working on the book. And uh, so, but Jim was tied up. He writes for the Gorilla Position, which is a great periodical thing, too, that he does on a weekly basis or whatever. But he had seen they me talking on, yeah, on Facebook. And he said, I'd like to do a book, JJ. And I said, well, I'd like to have a book. But the reason why I did a book was because when people would ask me to tell some stories, you know, just sitting around and go, tell us some stories about when you worked in uh, Hollywood in motion picture business. Tell a story about Hulk Hogan, or tell a story about the time that Andre the Giant asked you to sit with his girlfriend, or tell us this, or tell us something. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait, time out, time out. <laughs> We're not going to let you just scan over that one, so promise you we'll go back to the Andre the Giant story. You, you, yeah, yeah. I, you, know, you know what we call that? You know what we call that? Yeah, hey, JJ, you know what we call that in 2019? We call that a humble brag. That's a humble brag right there. So okay, I'll take it. I'll take back it. to that one. I want to hear that story. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, we were in Cleveland, and uh, Jimmy and I were working on some of the stuff for WWF as well. And uh, so, of course, I was always – I was in the back. I was in the front. I was up top. I was underneath. I uh, even carried uh, almost $300,000 of cash one time from the ticket office upstairs in Lexington for him to count for a WWF show. You know, because they kayfabe, and you got to be careful carrying that money. You never know who might be watching and want to try to steal that or something. But right. anyway, back to Andre. So, okay, so we were in Cleveland, and uh, Andre, uh, you know, I knew Andre. Andre liked me because I did magic tricks and card tricks and stuff, and he always liked for me to be around in the back and stuff because he enjoyed the tricks that I'd do and, and talking to him and stuff. He thought that was fun and cool. So uh, lucky for me. So. Uh, one evening at Cleveland, uh, he comes up to me. He said, Jimmy McGuire, he says, my girlfriend is here, and I don't want the boys around her. Will you sit with her behind the curtain here? And I went, Andre, of course, I'll be glad to. Okay, so she was like a um, in charge of the uh, – she was the weather lady uh, for the main Cleveland uh, NBC station or whatever up there. And uh, anyway, so I sat with her back there, and we watched the match through the curtain. And uh, Andre, after he finished the match, he did win the match. I, can't, I think it seemed like he was wrestling stud and actually beating on that particular uh, show. And, uh, of course, both of them stepped over the top rope, and Andre didn't like that because that was his gimmick. You know, he didn't like it that stud stepped over the top rope. Of course, Andre didn't like a lot of things, but I, if Andre liked you, you had it made. Luckily, he liked me. So anyway, came back through, and he he thanked me. He said, thank you, Jimmy McGuire, for sitting with my girlfriend. Sure do appreciate it. 
and he patted me on the shoulder, and I could tell he was trying to go easy on me, but he's just so big, man. About you know, I was about to collapse on the floor, you know, for real. <laughs> but uh, Andre was a beautiful person and kind guy, and really a fabulous performer. And he was uh, one of the first people since uh, Strangler Ed Lewis and Gorgeous George, and maybe Luthez and some of those people. Uh, Andre really stepped up the action quite a bit, and then. He passed the torch to Hulk to do that, and he was just a, a great person. And really, he was like a little boy uh, in a certain way. He he was amused by simple things, and he liked the simple life and all that. And uh, believe it or not, but uh, Andre is one of the, uh, the greatest uh, you know wrestling attractions that's ever been. Rick Flair, uh, you know, Rick Flair says Hulk Hogan is the greatest uh, attraction. But Hulk says that Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler. So a lot of respect and admiration there between some of the greatest of all time. And I come to find out in my exploits in my lifetime that the truly greatest of all time are also the most humble of all time. Jimmy Hart, a prime example. If Jimmy Hart saw you on the side of the highway or the interstate and you had a flat tire, he would stop and help you change that tire. Now, that's the kind of person that Jimmy is. And not everybody is that way, but, uh, you know, now Roddy Piper, I never, uh, he was a hard person to get close to. Uh, you never knew where he was coming from and he didn't really socialize with the boys big in the back and stuff. And he didn't play cards and do all that kind of thing. He was, he was a very unique person, but, uh, a lot of great people in wrestling. And I was just lucky to get in there at the right time to, you know, be around all those people and, uh, get to have fun and, and share all that as well, you know. Well, no doubt about it. You've definitely had uh, a, a story past uh, with a lot of what we consider to be the greatest of all time in the world of professional wrestling. But I am curious, though, JJ, because you have composed so many wonderful songs, both inside and outside of professional wrestling. I know one that really stuck out to me in what we were doing our research is that you played a big part in Hulk Hogan's WCW theme. So that kind of leads me to my next question. Do you have a favorite theme that you've ever created? And just out of curiosity, did you ever create a theme for the hurricane? Uh, you mean myself? A theme for myself? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you, of yes, course. I ha- <laughs> yes, I have a theme. Yes, I do. Uh, let's see, but to answer all your question there, that's a hard one for me to answer because I personally really like demolition, you know, uh, but I really like yeah. sexy boy. The the sexy boy is the most played theme in, in wrestling history. Uh, American made that I wrote for Hulk, uh, you know, for WCW, uh, that too. But, uh, you know, I like uh, Superfly was the first thing that I did for uh, WWF. Uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, and that's me going super, super, super fly, but I sampled it and played that's it in an octave blower. Yeah, that's me. That's I'm doing voice? the. Yeah, I'm playing wow, everything I on didn't there. Know that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's me. And, and uh, I, I was the first person to do a drop sample thing. All of a sudden, I come to see within the next year, every rap artist that's alive is doing a drop sample voice thing like that. Now, I'm not. <laughs> You know, I'm not saying I'm I'm the guy that invented it, but it, but it kind of looks that way in a way. I mean, I didn't hear any drop sample stuff before that Superfly theme. But anyway, uh, yeah, I played all the instruments on the majority of all those songs. I played every instrument and did everything you heard pretty much. 
man, that that's absolutely incredible. Uh, before I go on to my question, uh, next question, what is the name of that book uh, that you worked on with John Cosper, just in case the fans uh, I, and I oh, know yeah. they're going to want to hear more from you. What What is the name of the book? Uh, sure. The name of the book is My Life in Heaven Town. And uh, it's available on Amazon. It's also available through uh, Eat, Sleep, Wrestle, John Cosper's company. And, uh, yeah, it, it's been doing real well. It got a five-star rating on Amazon. Uh, but the book is not just a wrestling uh, book, you know, for wrestling aficionados, you know, like yourself. and many people who know who's up, who's down, who's under and over. Uh, right. it, it's written, it's written in a way to where that even if you don't care at all about wrestling, you'll be interested because it talks about the the people of wrestling that even people that don't care for wrestling. know. they know Hulk Hogan, you know, they've heard of these names, uh, you know, of course. and, uh, uh, whatever. But then the other part of the book is about, you know, how I started out in a small town and so on. And then, goes from there into, you know, my working in uh, playing in the Gentries in a multi-million seller group of Jimmy Hart, and then going from there to working at uh, in Hollywood at Glen Glen Sound Company and doing, uh, you know, all the feature film uh, sound work and everything there and, uh, you know, and all that. And so that's all in the book, too. And see, I, I met all sorts of people, worked with them directly. I, I met Prince. I worked with Bob Hope. Uh, everybody from Bob Hope to Jackie Gleason to uh, Prince and to Alice Cooper. Now, is that wide enough of a variety? Hell yeah, yeah. bro. That's awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. freaking and amazing. It, oh, yeah. Not to mention Gene Simmons. Let's don't leave Uncle Gene out. Yeah, Gene was a great guy. You know, uh, he was he did the movie Runaway uh, with Tom Selleck and Kirstie Alley back in the early 80s. And uh, we debuted all those films privately for the actors and the producers and directors at Glen Glen Sound. We had a a world-class studio that's better than most theaters that you go to. The only theaters that would be any bigger would be the big IMAX theaters today. And they would debut all their major films. All the major films were done there. Uh, Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads done there. Uh, I met Gabriel Byrne and Lord, I, I mean, I worked and met with everybody from hillbillies to aristocrats at, at, at Glen Glen. You name it. And uh, well, that, that, so that's that how, that's how I, I did a lot of that. And Gene Simmons was in that movie, and he played the bad guy. And uh, he did a fabulous job. And halfway through the, the film, uh, I was in the lobby outside waiting around. And he came out, and he said, you know, I can't stand to watch myself act. I said, you know, I've been watching them put the dailies together and, you're fantastic, Gene. I mean, man, what a, what a mean guy. He went, well, I can't take a look at myself. He said, will you come outside and talk to me for a while? I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do. And I said, oh, of course, that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do here. And uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, Gene was really something. Else. What a brilliant guy, you know. Uh, just a, He's a genius in his own way as well. A businessman and genius as well, but uh, I got to work with a lot of really cool people at Glen Glen. Uh, you know, music people, film people, uh, and all that sort of thing. But it's all in the book uh, and, and more. And uh, I think that uh, even if a person doesn't care about wrestling at all, they're going to like this book because the way that I put it together and John Cosper helped me to put it all together. You know, it's really it's good basic entertainment and it's something that you can read and. You know, it's not uh, 40 feet thick. Uh, it's a book that can be read uh, pretty quickly. And, 
there's no dull spots in it. There's no lulls. Uh, it's all one event to another of, you know, different icons and people that I met and experiences I had, you know, out in Hollywood and with the wrestling industry. And that, that's so cool. And, and there's something maybe you don't even know about, uh, J.J., right now because we did have that conversation with John just last week right here on the Wrestle Talk podcast for episode 276. Uh, John Cosper is actually running a deal at EatSleepWrestle.com. You have to go directly to eat, EatSleepWrestle.com. Go ahead and order your books, okay? Grab the Bluegrass Brawlers. Grab J.J.'s book. And when you're checking out, in the promo code, put the word TALK. And this is exclusive for the WrestleTalk family only. Again, guys, exclusive for the WrestleTalk podcast family only. You go grab yourself a couple of books, put in the code, you get 15% off, and John Cosper will personally sign the book, and I'm pretty sure that we can get J.J. to sign a copy of the book for you as well because that's just the kind of guy J.J. is. J.J., if they send you a book, would you be willing to sign a copy for the fans? I sure would. As a matter of fact, uh, John may have some. I signed a series of books for this purpose uh, already at, at the uh, Heroes and Legends event that uh, we appeared at. That's, that's excellent. So there you go, guys. There's no delay. Just go to eatsleepwrestle.com. Make sure you look up. Uh, give us the name of the book one more time, JJ. Sure. Uh, it's called My Life in Heaven Town. My Life in Heaven Town. The story of J.J. McGuire. Well, listen, J.J., I had uh, uh, just a, a couple of other quick questions for you because uh, we definitely want to respect your time. Uh, and the first one was this. Did you ever run into a situation when you were making music for a talent that you could just not satisfy them, where it was nothing but horde, horde, uh, uh, hold on, headaches, hassles, and horse manure? I don't want you to out anybody if you don't have to, but did you ever run into a situation where you found a guy – that maybe some of us are familiar with that you were having a hard time pleasing when it came to theme music, because I know wrestlers are very particular creatures, especially when it comes to do anything with their character, including music, of course. Yes, you're exactly right on that. A hundred percent. The only, the only thing probably that I could get close to that would be is we were Ted DiBiase came to us when he came in and said, McGuire, I'd like for you and Jimmy to write me something that people can actually remember. And I said, okay, Ted, I think I, I understand that. And so then he looked at us, he left the room. Jimmy and I looked at each other like deers in the headlights, and we went, what now? I said, I don't know, man. Let me sit here and just be quiet for a minute and try to absorb all this. So I came up with a couple of things. Nah, it didn't sound right for his character. I didn't think. And then Jimmy thought, no, nah, let's hear some more. Come up with something else. I'd come up with another riff or something. Nah, it wasn't making it. So anyway, I said, let me go down the hall here and get something to drink, get a Coca-Cola and, and a candy bar, and we'll, we'll commence on this later. But give me a break for a minute. You know, okay. And so he said, i got to make some calls. So he made a few calls. I went down, got a Coca-Cola, so on. Came back, sat down. We looked at each other. He said, what, have you come up with any other ideas? And I said, no, but I was just talking to our royalty company, and, you know, they they made a mistake on some of our royalties from last month's performances. They missed one of the playlists or something. And Jimmy said, well, you know how it goes. And then I said, yeah, you know, it's always, it's all about the money. Uh-oh. And that was it. Jimmy Hart goes, what's that? 
I said, well, you know, it's always all about the money. That's it, McGuire. That's the name of what we're going to do. And I went, okay, sounds good to me. All about the money. So then I came up with dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Everybody's got to pay. You know, Jimmy wrote all that out in about five minutes. And that's how that thing was created. (laughs) Wait a minute. Okay, so I have to make an admission. I did not know that, and we do pretty thorough research here. Shout out to our crack research team, intern Timmy, Luke Roberts, uh, with our media department that always do a great job. Can I play something for you, JJ? Because we've been using this intro for years now, and I think we may owe you a bunch of money. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> you wouldn't be the only one. <laughs> you wouldn't be the I only know. one. <laughs> hey, listen. And listen, neither of us are wealthy, but we, if we can't give you money, we'll at least give you credit. We'll, we'll go ahead and play the intro because I want you to hear it. Uh, we kind of did a okay. little bit of mixing ourselves. It, it sounds awful for the most part on our end, but your theme absolutely steals the show. And I got audio from the Million Dollar Man um, at a WLW show in Troy, Missouri about three years ago. Um, obviously, this was before the passing of Harley Race. Uh, God rest mm-hmm. Harley Race's soul, an absolutely wonderful human being, uh, a great yeah. wrestler as well. So are you okay with that, JJ? I want to play our intro because I've not known this, and I feel like we're kind of coming full circle, Jonesy. Like, we started the show, we did this intro, it was a big part of what we did when we first started the show, and now we're talking to the man that wrote the song. Tell me that isn't great, Joe. Oh, that's, it's so, freaking awesome. I, I am sitting back here just trying to soak all this uh, information in because this is absolutely <laughs> awesome. That is, that, it, it, it is, it is indeed. So let's do this. We're going to go ahead and play the theme so that JJ can hear because I think he'll appreciate it, especially with the TDBIC, uh voiceover. Then we'll come back. We'll do the shoot and shout segment, and we'll close out our first featured interview of the evening. Intern Timmy, cue up the intro to the show. <laughs> Everybody's got a prize. Everybody's going to pay. Hey everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Uh, you can cut it right there, Joe. You can cut it right there. Cut it, cut it, cut it. There we go. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> that, that sounds good. That's very good. By the way, there's a good Harley race story in my book about when I drove Harley and the Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart and myself drove to Atlantic City and when, where I met future President Donald Trump. Oh my gosh, my God, guys! EatSleepWrestle.com. You guys have got to get your hands on Jay. <laughs> if you want to read that story, you guys got to pick up the book again. Use the word "talk" at checkout at EatSleepWrestle.com and grab yourself. Be selfish this Christmas, just a little bit, just a little bit, and get yourself one of the best books that you could add to your pro wrestling collection. That said. Listen, I know above all else, JJ, to be a musician, to be as successful as you have, you've got to have a little bit of a competitive bone in your body, right? You want to be the very best that you can be. And, uh, and I know that sometimes that competitiveness, it, it drives us to, 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 to have vigor and fire and passion. And sometimes that vigor and passion turns into frustration and anger. So for tonight, <laughs> we, want to, we want to invite you to join us for a bit of a therapeutic session 
in what we call the Wrestle Talk Podcast Shoot and Shout segment. Basically, everybody gets about 30 seconds to vent about anything in the whole wide world. Doesn't even have to be wrestling related. You just get it off your chest, and I promise you, when it's all said and done, you're going to feel better about yourself. And at the same time, we'll probably have some laughs as well. Are you down to join us? Uh, it sounds good. I'm down with it. Let's do it, baby. Intern Timmy, you know what to do. Go ahead and cue up the music for tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Shoot and Shout segment. I'd just like to say all these haters of Hulk Hogan I don't want to point something in a friendly way to these people you must realize that the idea just like the music that I wrote is always bigger than the man and the idea that Hulk Hogan brought to professional wrestling will for always forever be bigger than he because the idea is always bigger than the man. Love him or hate him, he opened so many doors for so many new people and so many old people, too. But I would just like to advise the haters to realize that the idea is bigger than the man. And the Hulk Hogan character is not Hulk Hogan, is not Terry Belay. I know both people. I know Hulk Hogan, world-famous wrestler, and I personally know Terry Jean Belay. They're two different people, and that's just a character that's portrayed for the benefit of you, the public, and me, the people as well. And I would just like to remind those haters that Hulk Hogan, his idea of Hulk Hogan is forever bigger than the man. Wow. Absolutely incredible shooting shout tonight. Keeping it 100, keeping it real, and you know what? It's hard. It, 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 it's hard out here. It's hard out here for people like me. You know why? Because I have three kids. 
Listen to me, JJ. Listen to me, Joe. I don't know if you guys can relate, but why do my kids want a small fortune's worth of holiday gifts? My goodness. Back in the day, you know what I wanted? I wanted a Tonka truck and a couple of Hot Wheels, okay? My parents thought I had it bad. My dad's like, hey, Dad, what about a VR so that I can, like, almost feel like I'm in the video game? I'm like, son, you're 10 years old. You stand six and a half inches away from a 70-inch TV screen. You're already inside the game. I'm not going to spend $400. And my daughter, she wants to buy all this crazy expensive slime. And you know what she does with it? She ruins it immediately. Oh, and don't even get me started on the 60-year-old. What 60-year-old needs a $1,200 phone? For what? So you can post selfies in a dirty bathroom that you refuse to clean every week? My goodness. These kids are driving me crazy. I'm about to go broke. My, people ask me why I'm letting my beard grow out. You know why? It's because my hair is falling out. Being a father is extremely stressful and incredibly expensive. Somebody help me. We need parent reparations out here. I'm not getting government cheese anymore. It's getting pricey. Jeez Louise, these kids are out of control. I got a $500 budget for Christmas. I'm getting you whatever I can, and if you don't like it, go get a job. I know there's child labor laws and all that, but that doesn't stop us That doesn't stop us Mexicans from getting jobs, does it? No, hell no, it doesn't. Get your ass a job. I'm not spending $400 on a pair of damn eyeglasses and headphones that you're going to break in a week anyway. My goodness, Jones, you close this out, bro. I'm all kind of hot and bothered over here. I'm legitimately pissed off right now. <laughs> go ahead, bro, please. I'm so sorry. Oh gosh. So thank thank you once again, JJ, for uh uh taking time out of your busy schedule tonight. Uh the last thing that we need well we need two things. We need you to promise that you're going to come back to the Best of Talk podcast once again so that we can have you on and because I feel we, we've just hit the tip of the iceberg. And number two, we need you to tell everybody your social media, your Facebook, Twitter Whatever that you use on social media. Yes. Uh, thank you for those comments and everything. I really do appreciate everything you said. You guys said thank you a million times uh, around. Uh, I can, for bookings or appearances or questions or answers or what have you, uh, best way to do it is to reach me at hurricanejj53 at gmail.com. Then I have a couple of sites also on Facebook where you can see some of my past and some of the current things and whatever, too. But if you want to speak to me directly, the best way is the Hurricane JJ 53 at gmail.com for bookings and appearances and anything. What have you? Well, Jonesy, I, I think I've recovered well enough now. JJ, you have children. You can relate, right? It's incredibly expensive. Am I, am I out of my mind here? Is it just me? No, you're you're right. It's just uh, unbelievable what all that the, they brainwash the kids into thinking that they need. You know, like a seventeen hundred dollar uh, iPhones and so forth. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Well, I guess the only thing I can say for myself now that I've caught my breath and wiped the tears away is JJ. You are in our by our estimation and by the estimation of many others, including the the wonderful people of the Cauliflower Alley Club. I know. Herb Simmons is a big fan of yours. I know John Cosper and Luke Roberts are all big fans of yours. I've officially become a huge fan of yours. So for that reason, allow me to be the first to welcome you in as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family, man. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you guys so much. And I would like to say one last thing quickly. God gave me talent, so I took it to the greatest show on earth. I traveled the world with the greatest of all time. 
I entertained people of color in all walks of life. Who knew that wrestling is such an unbelievable force? I did. Woo! My goodness, we have to do a part two. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the conclusion of hour number one. Again, make your way over to EatSleepWrestle.com. Look up J.J. McGuire's book. Type in the word talk at checkout. Get 15% off. You're going to have John Cosper's uh, autograph in there, okay? And you're going to have J.J. McGuire's autograph in there, the hurricane himself. Do yourself a favor and let them guys know the Russell Talk podcast sent you. Josie, I want to put DVD song on for the whole break. We'll come back in two minutes and 20 seconds with the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion, the Fantasy Wrestling Worldwide Chapter. We'll catch you guys in a few minutes. Peace. And turn it up. One thing I've always done is that I've always remained to stay who I am. I am DVD, and I represent the SP from time. I am DVD, and I represent the SP. This is something you can definitely smoke to In my past, hope I did nothing to provoke you A northern cat going down her daisy dukes Rolling downtown with a really crazy crew One of a kind, running with dimes Living a hell of a life, mirror move Fist in mind, copycats will eventually die Gotta hold composure, I'm not looking for exposure I'm just trying to move this notion forward Keep exploring, I know you know this Most of these rappers are boring Got me snoring, checking options, you know I ain't for it That's why they fear me when I hit the booth and start recording They're looking nervous, looking like the Regal couldn't afford it. I'm on a steal for my homies who ain't here. Asking God, was there really a reason they had to disappear? Life works in mysterious ways. I'm just happy to be here still doing my thing. I am DBD. And I represent the SP. From time I am DBD. And I represent the Slow up on the end of rising towards another level. Wood pusher, no pedal, skates gum, no Geppetto. A healer and a feeler, feeling like Hercules, Mercandese. We can see that ain't nothing to me. I take personal time to spend my life on these lines. Don't give a fuck if you like it or not. Where this bond? When I grab the mic and set it rocket to the early moan. What we on? Well, it's nothing but that pines, ho. You don't even need to worry about another thing. Cause opportunities are endless that I'm known to bring. A king ran my way, but it's never kiss a ring. It's respect and love, man. We made it more than just a dream. Doubt me all you want to, but at least you know I'm right. Buzzing around the hype. Ain't the type of life I'm living like. So, catch me out your drama. I don't want no problems. The world keeps revolving while my mind keeps evolving. Nah. Motherfucking. DBT. DBT. And I represent the SP. Thank you. 
Yo, what up? Night Owl. Here we go. Nightmare Jones. What up, Wrestle Talk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, cause we got some more. Every Wednesday we here, keeping it raw. Night out, Nightmare Jones and all the best guests. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Smashing and killing it like the night at a prom.
the winner of this round will either win or secure a tie in the brand battle, okay? If we have a tie, nobody really knows what's going to happen. It's a little scary. But what I can tell you is that both brands are working their tails off to make sure that they provide you the highest level of entertainment that they possibly can, some of the very best promos in the game. And I'm going to be honest. I know this is going to ruffle some feathers. I contend that the FWWC has better promos than a lot of the independent wrestling promotions out there that actually have real wrestlers. No disrespect, but if you haven't seen the FWWC, I don't want you to argue with me because I spend a lot of time looking at a lot of different promotions all across the country and the promo work that their guys do, and there's a lot of great guys, but there's also a lot of guys that aren't very capable on the microphone. I don't know if it's because of lack of effort. I don't know if it's because of lack of training. But the FWWC, when it comes to promos specifically, I've got to say probably a little bit better than some of the promotions that I've seen out there. Not only are they great at recording, editing, and presenting their promos, they're also not afraid to do them live. You get what I'm saying? It's a lot easier to cut a decent promo if you get the, if you get the benefit of being able to edit, okay? These guys don't necessarily need that. And I'm about to give you guys a great example because we're about to hear a man that resides all the way up in Canada. That's right. You guys see it. I got the Toronto Blue Jays hat on. Don't hate. So we're going to go ahead and talk to a man that's just slightly north of the border, a man that considers himself to be Mr. Number One, also a loyal member of the Death Hawks, representing La Familia Worldwide. That's right, folks. Go ahead and get those horns up, and boom, because here comes the one, the only, the former Warriors Heart Champion, the Heel Deal. Thanks for having me on, guys. The Heel Deal is here, and the ratings just went up, up, up. Boom, baby. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Heel Deal. Tell us what's on your mind. You've been a very busy man. From what I understand, you and the Death Hawks are eyeing a possible tag team championship, number one contendership. Tell us a little bit about that and the heat you guys currently have going right now with the Grim Reefers. Well, I think with the individuals in the with in the Grim Reefers, there's always been a little bit of a what's it called saltiness towards the Death Hawks, towards La Familia, and they it's just a matter of not being able to accept your superiors and your betters, and that is the Death Hawks. That is La Familia worldwide, and it certainly is Mister Number One. Woo! Absolutely love that. Let me go ahead and ask you this one last question, Heel Deal, because we do have a lot of callers, and we're going to be hearing from Tony Kazina, and I know you're a well-rounded wrestling fan, okay? I know you are, and he's going to be joining us in a matter of minutes. He's actually been working over at CWE with those good folks and Danny Duggan and the gang, so I know you love yourself some Canadian wrestling, but the question is, Heel Deal, what are the plans for you 
as a singles competitor, you're a guy that we usually see at the top of a card competing for top championships. And right now, sir, from what I can see, your hands are empty. What are you planning on doing to change that? Well, I'll say this. I'll say this, and I'll, I'll make it quick. I know that there's a lot going on here, but I'll say this. It starts with taking care of people who disrespect the heel deal. Daniel Grimm, you better be listening. And if you're not, get listening. It starts with you. You disrespect the heel deal. You, you say, I'm not a threat. I'm not a superior superstar. Then why are you calling me out? Oh, you're calling me out because you know you want the top. And no title or title, Mr. Number One is always at the top. So I first take care of Daniel Grimm. And then, and then, no, it's too, it's too, too soon to the Royal Rumble. But Universe Mania, Universe Mania, somehow, some way, the heel deal is going to find his way to championship gold. But the most important part is don't rush it. Don't rush it. Wait for the right opportunity. That's what the heel deal does. And when he finds it, he'll strike. And once again, around the weight, my gorgeous, so gorgeous weight will be gold. And when it happens, how will it be? What will it be? You know the answer. I'll tell it to you anyway. Pooh. Oh, sweet. Boom, baby. My freaking goodness. That kind of intensity and passion is what you're going to get every single time a member of the FWWC calls in. Guys, we're just a couple of moments away from Tony joining us. He's a very busy guy. He's the head trainer of the Fale Dojo. And you know what? I've got to make room for just one more caller. And it's got to be the man that resides in Crystal Lake Voorhees. you got about 45 seconds once you hear the sound. Make sure you bring the heat because right after you, man, is the interview a lot of people have been waiting for for a long time, man. Uh, a Midwest native, a guy that knows his way around St. Louis and Kansas City is now traveling the world and teaching and reaching some of the young talent that in the very near future you're going to see on your TV. That said, Voorhees, no pressure. What's on your mind tonight as we close out tonight's edition of the FWWC segment? What is on my mind is El Diablo at the Royal Rumble. You and I in front of no match. And you will know the meaning of pain bloodshed and destruction. Oh my gosh. Uh all right, ladies and gentlemen. Well that uh <laughs> that brings us to the end of the FWWC segment. Voorhees, I don't know why you always have to come on the show and creep everybody out, but nevertheless I appreciate it and I'm telling you right now, Dougie Fresh, I know you're feeling uh, a little sting right now after losing the hybrid championship uh, to the Battle Cat. But when Voorhees finally gets his hands on you, sir, I am extremely concerned. So be on the lookout. Folks, that is the end of the FWC segment. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, okay? More information on the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion over at WrestleTalk.com. 
podcast.com forward slash fantasy wrestling. Listen, everybody that I know, no matter what age, wishes that they could be in professional wrestling. Some of us become ring announcers. Some of us become podcasters. Some of us become managers. And some people don't even have that choice. For those people, highly suggest the FWWC, the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion, where we do everything, we do everything other than wrestle. Again, fantasy wrestling over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. All that said, all that said, folks, it is time to transition into the final featured interview of the evening. And I've been very, very excited about this because we had the man, we had to wait for the man to get back into the states so that we could get him on the show, and it was well worth it. So, intern Timmy, cue up the music as we welcome in for the first time the head trainer of the Filet Dojo in New Zealand. That's right, folks. I'm talking about the one and only. Tony Cousino. in the gray, uh, wintry days. That's what I'm doing. Nice. <laughs> Go ahead, What's happening? Take it away. All right. So I would definitely, definitely, definitely take it away. Um, You know, so you made your uh, professional wrestling debut in 1997. You've been in the wrestling business for over 20 Two years. Uh, you were trained by by the uh, by Billy Jack Haynes, who you know I remember watching him in WrestleMania three against uh, Hercules and uh, yep. Matt Bourne. What was it like being trained by Billy Jack Hayes and Matt Bourne? Um, <laughs> God, now that the truth comes out about those guys, it's a it's, <laughs> my God. Um. You know what? Billy was very thorough. I, I, I wasn't with him long because he ended up having a falling out with Sandy Barr. And uh, I was really concerned I was going to get caught in the middle of it. And there's a just insane, little insane situation. But at the same time, I had uh, I, I just, just pure luck. I had some friends that knew Matt Bourne, and so and they knew I was training and following my dreams. So at the same time, they're they're setting up a time for me to meet with Matt, and so um, I had just started to meet Matt, and you know it was nothing that Billy set up. I was seeking it out because Matt was booking for Sandy Barr's promotion. So you know when Billy had the falling out with Sandy Barr, Matt just took over, and um, so. 
long story short, my training with Billy was very thorough. He was very good. It just wasn't as long as I would have liked it to have been. But Matt picked up and and taught me like for the next year. So I just learned, just sat at the learning tree and and learned all about. Uh, at least how wrestling was, because they were both territory wrestlers. So it was, it was looked at a lot different than it's looked upon now. Awesome, uh, you know, like I said, it's still absolutely amazing to be able to train by 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 those uh, those those two gentlemen. I mean, you wrestled just about everywhere: Extreme Canadian, uh, Extreme Canadian Championship Wrestling, All Pro Wrestling. East Coast Wrestling, IWA Mid-South, Chicago, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, just to name a, a, a few. Um, you know, one of the uh, biggest things that, that, that I see is that you were involved in the uh, EC, ECWA Super 8 tournament. Can you tell us about yep. being in that tournament? Um. Geez, you know that was a very, very special thing, and and where I was in my career at that time, especially, um, I quickly realized how prestigious that tournament was because you have to understand, um, 2001, independent wrestling was just coming of age. The internet was just coming of age. Okay, the the territories pretty much died off during the 90s. And so other than WCW and WWE, and then taking into consideration year 2000, 2001, WCW and ECW both collapsed. So other than WWE, and if you can find New Japan and All Japan, where, are, where is wrestling in America? Well, um, the independent scene started to come alive. And, hey, there's wrestling here. Hey, there's wrestling there. So – being that ECWA was on the East Coast and Jim Kettner, the promoter, who was just a phenomenal uh, human being, just a great, again, sat under his learning tree. He just he just talked to me, and whether he realized it or not, was teaching me so much about just even the inner workings of the business. That um, he was tight with. Kevin Kelly, who worked for WWE at the time, so you had talent scouts there. Pro Wrestling Illustrated was there, so there were features on us. So immediately, here we are, eight unknowns, and we're getting magazine coverage. So it was a massive deal. And this is before Ring of Honor. This is before, you know, Chikara and all and all that type of thing. So it, it was looked upon as these are the eight premier independent wrestlers in the country right now. Um, so it was a huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely is a uh, a, a huge deal. And uh, my last question that, that I have to, to ask before I, I send you, before I send uh, Renee and to ask whatever questions that he has is, uh, you know, you 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 re- you recently came back to the United States from another tour of training wrestlers at the Fale Dojo in New Zealand. So what made you want to go from from wrestling to actually training wrestlers? Well, I'm still wrestling too. It's just that uh, 
uh, wrestling in North America has turned into a a parody. That's my opinion, and I'm oh, not interested okay. in. I'm not interested in in really. Uh, and you know what? There's some crazy talented guys out there too. This summer I had, you know, Sonico is a guy, and he went to Noah shortly after we wrestled a couple times, and I'm like, man. Um, but it's it's just the whole thing is is changed, and uh, I don't I, I don't know. So uh, anyway, I I just go where there's opportunity, and um, I've known Folly for years. The opportunity came up for me to to, to make a living at this, um, and so I jumped at it. And then I still wrestle when I can, but right now the training and getting guys geared up for New Japan Pro Wrestling is first priority for me. Awesome. Uh, that that's a a, a, a definitely a, a a a awesome thing to be able to to train wrestlers. Uh, especially, you know, in New Zealand with with this ballet. Uh, Renee, why don't you come in here with whatever questions that you have, sir? Oh, uh, dude, absolutely. Those were some great questions, uh, Joe. And I know how excited you were to talk uh, to Tony, especially since we've both been following his career uh, since he was here, kind of, you know, calling St. Louis home base. Uh, Tony, again, thanks for the time, bro. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. And by the way, we do we do have a couple of callers that have questions, and we're going to try to get at least a few of you guys on. Uh, out of respect to Tony's time, we won't get carried away with the callers, but I'm sure we can sneak one or two in. Enter Tim don't away. get carried away. I'm on vacation for a couple months. Let's get carried away. Come on. All right. Well, you know what? Let's, let's get carried away because I got a bunch of great questions. But this show is about the WrestleTalk family. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring on a caller first, and it just so happens to be uh, somebody that I hold in very high regard for a couple of reasons, Tony. Number one, uh, Scott, Derek, and the guys over at uh, RetroZone, also known as Kincaid at the Oak Park Mall in Overland Park, Kansas, they've got collectibles, vintage toys, and even full-size arcades. Not only are they huge supporters of the WrestleTalk podcast, not only are they huge supporters of Royal uh, Alliance Wrestling. Again, guys, this is upcoming Saturday. Look up Royal Alliance Wrestling 24-7 on Facebook. But he also happens to be an absolutely huge New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. And who better to bring on than a huge NJPW fan than our buddy Scott with the opportunity to talk to the head trainer of the Fale Dojo, uh, well-respected, well-known, held in high regard with everybody, pro wrestler in Tony Casino. Scott, you're live on the Wrestle Talk podcast for episode 277, man. Why don't you come in, give us an update on how things are going over at RetroZone slash King Cade, and then jump in, obviously, with your question, because we both know that that's what you want to do more than anything else. And I don't blame you. <laughs> Well, I'm going to keep it nice and simple here. Keep it nice and simple. I'm going to take everybody's time. Uh, first of all, down here at the store, it's just the response has been overwhelming. Uh, support from the wrestling community and from the gaming and local just nerd community has been overwhelming. I want to thank Renee, again, for everything you've done, and everybody else that's listening or anybody else that comes to the store. Thank you very much. And easily here, it's a, it's a question for me. Um, as a trainer in the dojo, what is the – hardest thing to get uh, students to unlearn 
see, I used to be a uh, martial arts instructor myself, and so unteaching bad habits is uh, one of the hardest things to do. So whenever you're teaching people in the dojo, what's some of the uh, bad habits they have and how, how hard is it to break them? Uh, I'll tell you, well, um, geez, bad habits, bad habits. You know, all this leg slapping, for one. These these guys, I, I've never seen so many people so pissed <laughs> off at their legs. And uh, it, it's, the, it's the laziest goddamn thing I've ever seen. Um, and so straight away, um, if, if I see guys doing that, everybody takes off their shirts and we start throwing strikes, which we do anyway. And, right. uh, and you're going to learn how to strike because, well, first of all, the, the, the rubber sole of your boot or wrestling shoe is never going to make a sound that slap, sounds like two hands clapping together. So that's idiotic and it's fake. Um, so true. <laughs> and then if, it, it, if, it, if, it if, every, if every shot sounds like a gunshot, then you've diluted everything to the point where it's just a car wreck show, and you might as, you just tell people that it's fake. So what the hell's the point it, of doing all this? It just kind of dilutes into a spot fest at that point, doesn't it? Kind of just everybody slapping each other's legs just to see you can make the loudest sound, right? So yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm I'm waiting for the next goofball to come around instead of playing with your nuts or walking around with your hand in your pocket. There's going to be somebody in North America that comes around and just slaps their leg when they with a lockup and with everything they do because, you know, like I said, and, and you know, if the, if the people think that's funny, then, then they'll, they'll probably look for a local show or whatever, but um, for the, for the guys that have come here, you know, I um, just just the way that they go about doing things, but it's not been a huge struggle to get them to unlearn because the first thing we do for the first month is just shoot. So you're learning jujitsu, you're learning boxing and kickboxing, and you're going in there and it's like, okay, so we got we got eight guys lined up. Somebody's going to win this king of the mountain. You've got three minutes. You're going to shoot with them, take them down, and and legitimately try and keep his shoulders down for three seconds. And so when you do that every day um, in a couple of rounds of that and you're pretty exhausted, you, you, you're you now in a mindset where you're approaching everything real. We're not even talking about pro wrestling. We're not, you know what I mean? So every day they come to practice and they know we're going to grapple. They know we're going to grapple. So it kind of, we just kind of reset everything without having to unlearn everything. That's, that's very interesting. Mind, I, get them, I get them in the mindset that this is real without having to say this is real. Great. I, hey, an absolutely wonderful answer, Scott. Uh, before we let you go, man, I want you to do two things. I want you to jump in uh, with your very last question. I know you wanted to ask uh, Tony something relating uh, to, uh, you know, Bad Luck Ballet and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then, of course, just one more time, man, update us on everything you guys got going over there at Kincaid slash Retro Zone at the Oak Park Mall and Overland Park, Kansas, man. Go ahead and jump right back in. Well, actually, one thing we're doing right now for wrestling right now is we're doing a major promotion, a silent auction for an autographed Ricky the Dragon steamboat figure. This silent auction will be going on here at the store this whole week. And we'll be having a winner announced on Sunday. So please come on down to the store and uh, 
put your bid in for the uh, action figure. Now, as as for my question, uh, just how when with, when working with Fallet, it's I, I couldn't imagine working with somebody who was just so obviously he's, he's a powerful human being. He's and ungrateful, he's, angry and ungrateful. <laughs> there, hey, there's the shoot we were looking for. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We got we got to talk about it. <laughs> well, that kind of took my question from me right there. So there you go. We cut it off the knee there. Thanks a lot, Scott. Tony, what do you got? What do I have? What about what about what are we talking about? About follow? Well, you know, you, you throw you threw a little low key shade at Buzz Bad Luck Fale, and, and I'm sure it's all love and respect between you two guys. What is that experience like? Because I'm sure that's what everybody's wondering. Like, a, how did it come about? You know, uh, two, kind of what are the standards and expectations? Because you're not one of the guys that's fortunate enough to kind of just be hanging around on the outskirts of one of the most respected up-and-coming schools in the world, but you're the guy. You're the guy that people call the head trainer over the at, at the Fale Dojo, so I'm curious. Well, damn right. um, of course you are. You deserve it. There's no question about it. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about your interaction. Uh, what, what's your interaction with Fale? What are some yeah. of the upsides and downsides with working with a guy that at this point is, is known worldwide as one of the most well-respected big men in the business today? Absolutely, he is. Truly, he is. Um, the story of Sally and I goes back to when he was a young boy for New Japan, and they set him because Davy Richards uh, was working for New Japan at the time, and Davy would go and train, and the and the senpais over there saw how hard he trained and wanted to work out with Davy. Um, and uh, then it was like, oh my goodness, uh, you know, hey. They said to him, can we send one of our young boys on excursion and you work with him? And Davey's, sure, sure, that sounds good. You know, send him to St. Louis. So when Davey came back from St. Louis, he said, hey, uh, you know, New Japan's going to send one of their young boys and I want you to train him. Uh, Davey was in school at the time and he says, you train him like you helped me and then maybe you can get your foot in the door with New Japan. I said, and I and I love doing that anyway. I said, cool, good enough. And I kept thinking I was going to pick up this Japanese kid. And so even as I'm going to the airport, hey, what does this guy look like? And Davey's like, man, he's like 6'4", 370 pounds. I'm like, 6'4", Japanese guy? And he's, no, it's Tongan. I was like, oh, Jesus. He's a Again, Tongan. I, forget. <laughs> I yes. kept forgetting. So, um, so I looked after Fale. Uh, you know, he lived in my apartment, and uh, I I just looked out for him and, and worked with him and helped him, and he trained with Kyle and Davey and I and Aaron Solo and, and some other people that came in and out. We just had this crew, and we just trained like uh, like crazy. And so Fale stayed with us in St. Louis for a year, and upon his return, the next thing you know, Fergal Devitt, Changes his ways and walks out with Bad Luck Folly as his uh, as his bodyguard, and they started to take over the world as the Bullet Club, and that was it. Boom. Well, you're you're you're, you're not exaggerating when you say boom. It was a, a, an explosion uh, that continues to send shockwaves through the pro wrestling world right now. Whenever you mentioned the Bullet Club, and let's just be honest, folks, if we're putting all our cards out on the table, if it wasn't for Bad Boy Tomatonga, 
Bad Luck Fale and Fergal Devitt, AEW, in my opinion, would not exist because those guys are riding the back of what the original Bullet Club did so many years ago. And, and I need, need, need to make sure that people don't lose that perspective um, because it's become a little bit watered down the way that NWO became watered down so many years ago when they when they kind of spread into different fashions and segments. Uh, the original Bullet Club, uh, lifelong Bullet Club member, Wale, uh, and everybody he's associated with, including Tony Kazina, is to be respected and treated with admiration because it had it not been for him, we wouldn't have a lot of things that we have today, courtesy of the original OG Bullet Club, uh, which, of course, Bad Luck Fale played a huge part in that. Tony, my, my next question is this. Um, you've traveled a lot, and you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different people. If you ever find yourself in the ring or maybe at the dojo with somebody that you immediately felt like, hey, this guy has got a great future in the business, and then it ultimately ended up becoming true. I know you've been in St. Louis. I know now you've been out on the islands. Anybody that's come across your locker room or your well, dojo that you feel like is a surefire top-flight talent? Oh, through the years, through the years, I've, I've, I could see, I could spot guys that, that had the potential, and it's not like I'm some all-knowing, all-wise. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to say that, but, but you right. know what I'm saying? Like, you can tell when someone's got it. Um, and uh, so now, now from my time over at Folly Dojo, I've learned so much about training guys. And one of the main things that has opened my eyes and I've learned so much and it's changed the way I train guys is, you, you know, you ever, you ever, I'm going to kind of answer this question by throwing a question at you because I'm sure that you've okay. it too. You've seen talent and said, God, this guy should be ruling the world and they're let go or they don't get a break or they, man, it's only a matter of time before this guy gets hired. They don't get hired. It, the breaks don't happen like you think that they would for this individual. You understand? Right, right. Um, a lot of times the ego gets in the way, and I don't. I may not be describing this really good, but Folly sees things that I don't see, and he points things out, and I'm like, oh. It's like we look at things different, but we get to the same conclusion. And one thing that he okay. points out all the time is the ego. You can't let the ego get into the way. The ego gets into the way of selling. The ego gets into the way of conducting yourself. And, and in, in learning that, I'm like, well, Jesus, my ego was probably like a runaway train for God's sakes. Um, <laughs> golly. But, um, you know, there's been guys that I see have the potential, but now it's like, oh, they could run into they – might, they might run into some problems. This cat could run into a situation. Because, uh, you know what, or not, like, who knows? But um, lately, I mean, the guys that we're training right now, there's there's some huge potential with, with so many guys that have come through our dojo. The The end result is, do you want this? You know, some guys have come through and 
after the three months, they realize, I don't want this because you have to work so hard. Or they think they want it, and then it's like, okay, you've been selected for the New Japan Dojo, and I'm, I'm watching as they as – as Fale announces and, and uh, Mark Tui, the general manager, announces that this guy's been selected to go to the New Japan Dojo, and instead of a smile, instead of, yes, and shaking his fists like, yeah, he's looking at them like he just saw a ghost. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know – but 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 and I'm not and I'm not I'm not dogging them. This is a lifestyle commitment. It's a life commitment, and and I tell the guys point blank, you know, because everybody's trying to hold on to the girlfriend at home, or they're trying to hold on to, you know, their apartment or this and that. Let it go. You got to let it go. You got to let you when you're here. You know, you're there in Auckland, and you're gonna you have to immerse yourself in the training and the learning. That's why we all live together. 24/7. If if you're downstairs after training talking to your girlfriend, you're not concentrating. You know, you're looking behind you. You're 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 looking at things back home instead of looking forward to to what's next, so you can get to where you want to be. But a lot of guys come just to learn, and you know, they're they're happy going back to the little independence wherever they are. Um, I don't know why the hell you'd want to do a thousand squats today if your goal was to go and work the independence. That's insanity to me. Except for I guess you can go and and be the big fish in the small pond or something. I I don't know. Uh, wow. I I I think, I think you are dropping major keys and pure but, gold of knowledge uh, yeah, I mean, to the many I mean, workers. No, I mean, I, just genuinely, Tony, I think this stuff is hard for some guys to hear, but it needs to be heard. Like, if you want to reach an elite level, and if anybody knows about helping guys reach an elite level, it's Tony Kazina. You talk about not only being it being a priority or a commitment, you're talking about a lifestyle commitment, meaning you have to dedicate yeah. yourself like the way Fale did, like the way that Jay White has done as well, who's an incredible young talent. And I'm so happy for him and everything that he's able to do now. Um, you know, as, as he's, he continues to continue, he continues to get involved more and more with the Bullet Club. But I, I just, I love to hear somebody actually come out and say it. If you're pushing foot around in this business, you're making a huge mistake. I think that's what I'm hearing you say, Tony. Well, yeah, but I mean, it depends. Again, and you know, I'm gonna lay down some heavy duty shit, but it depends on what your goals are. If you're happy okay. just doing the weekend thing and you get adrenalized because you're over in your hometown or you're working the circuit, you understand, and that's good enough for you, like no matter what you do, and, and I say this to the guys because I'm very harsh, but I'm, I try to be very fair and very realistic. My job is to motivate and to inspire, and that means not just for pro wrestling but for your life in general, okay? No matter what you do, you, you must find balance. Okay, so now some people are gung-ho and want to go absolute 100%. And for the guys that are there, I say, you can wake me out of a sleep 24-7 if you want to talk or ask wrestling. Don't even hesitate to wake me up because I'm a lunatic. And and they've all heard me say that. Um, but, you know, you got to find balance. Some people want the home life. Um 
their family is very important to them. I understand it. And so, you, you, you know, that's up for each individual to find your own balance. You know, it's like when I'm being a personal trainer uh, and, and, they, and the guys come in Monday for training and they're all down on themselves because they went to a party. I said, there's, there's no point in having a million-dollar body if you're miserable because you can't have birthday cake. You can't have Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to have salad and water. There's no point in having a million-dollar body if your life is the shit. So, so find your balance. And it goes the same with pro wrestling. Every, you know, it, it looks awesome. Who doesn't want a main event Wrestle Kingdom or WrestleMania or Triple Mania? Or, you know what I'm saying? But right. the, reality, the reality of that is, and especially with New Japan, they demand full commitment. So part of my job is to explain the full commitment. And, you know, I don't thumb my nose at the guys that just don't do it, even if they have the magnificent potential because, geez, Louise, you know, hey, what if you could make $10 million, but you had to live on a deserted island for 10 years and, you know what I'm saying, not be around your right. friends or family or anything. So, I mean, that's what that's like to some degree. You, you're abandoning everything that you know and, and going into the unknown. It's not for everybody. Well, that that's quite obvious. Uh there are a few that are willing to make that sort of commitment. And I'll tell you what, uh, one thing that I was really curious about, Tony, is that because of your travels across the world, you've become uh, accustomed to being around people that are different from you. Uh, you spent some time up in Canada, and I want you to talk about that. But you've also become extremely uh, close to the Tongan culture, uh, with Fale being a Tongan. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the cultural differences that you've witnessed in some of your travels across the world, including your trips up to Canada, New Zealand, uh, and also, obviously, the Tongan Islands. You know, uh, it's not just Tongan. It's a, it's a whole Polynesian culture down there because there's some, you know, our general manager is Samoan. So, but they're all loosely related. You know, all, all those islands are in the general vicinity, and their culture, from what I can tell and what I've learned, is somewhat similar. And, um, and it's similar to the Japanese culture, which, which I've had to learn. As I train these guys and get them ready for, for New Japan, I need to learn that Japanese culture. Um, so it's, it's being immersed in the Polynesian community down there because we're in South Auckland, um, I've learned that the that the white people there thumb their nose at the Polynesians, just like the white people thumb their nose at black people in the states. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because when I when I was first there, I dated this lady that had a little bit of the dough, and so when I'd go out with her and and hang out with her friends, they'd kind of ew. When I said I was in South Auckland, I thought, oh my god. Really? Oh, and I just kind of kept quiet, but I thought, "You mother!" I thought, "Well, I'll take my, I'll, I'll take my wonderful Polynesian people, and they're just, uh, gosh, you know, friendly, outgoing. It's like your, it's like your family." And I just thought, "Wow, white people are the same, and not to just not all white. You know what I'm saying? Not all white people." No, but, no, we hear you, bro. 
We, we but you. it's well, just you know like, what's I'm funny. You know, you know what's funny, Tony? Listen, it's not just white people. There's people that discriminate all across the world, and, and I think oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. it's a perfect time. It's a perfect time to get the to get the opinion of one of our favorite pro wrestlers of all time. Let's go ahead and check in with the Iron Sheik real quick, real quick, guys, and see what oh. he thinks about. Wait a minute. Let, let's check in with the Iron Sheik and think and hear what he thinks about discrimination. Uh, Sheik. Fucking bullshit! Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> go ahead, Tony. Continue. We just had to get some thoughts from the Iron Sheik right there. Real we, quick. We adore the Sheik. <laughs> Who doesn't love Iron Sheik? No, I mean, it, it's great. And um, the discipline. The other than the main thing, and, and, I, and I really try to keep myself on the toes, on my toes, because I realize... Um, and maybe it's just me, but I think it's more than just me. It's probably the American culture. We are so undisciplined. It's just a fucking free-for-all. Um, so the, me- the mental discipline that they demand over there is uh, impressive. And, you know, so I'm really trying to learn that and hold myself to the same standard. Even though they go, oh, Tony Son, you don't need to worry about it. I'm like, oh, please, yes, I do, because I'm just a lunatic. And I'll, no, 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 I'm completely undisciplined. So I need to, you know, I'll, I want to hold myself. How can I teach if I'm just sitting there with my feet propped up, you know? So um, it's, it's, a, it's great. I'm teaching everybody, but I'm also learning so much. So much. It, it, it's 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 a real eye opener. And um, and again, man, I can't stress enough. Yeah, we're learning pro wrestling, but all these guys and girls um, are walking away. And I think that they're going to uh, uh, come away with it better human beings in general. So. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of like what we're doing. Okay. Well, well, you know what? There's no doubt about it, Tony. You are changing the lives of young men and women every single oh, time. Oh, boy. Listen, I apologize every single... for that. No, no, it's okay. You are changing. No, in, in a good way. In a... Wait a minute. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just in a, being in a goofy. Good... In, in a good way. And listen, I do want to get into the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge because – I would never be brave enough to step in the ring with you as a commentator and podcaster, but I think we can go one-on-one and a little bit of trivia. But 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 I want to hold off on that for just a second because I have one last question for you. I know that the Midwest holds a, holds a very dear place in your heart. I'm based out of Kansas City. Uh, my co-host, Nightmare Jones, is based out of West Virginia, out on the East Coast, so we got a lot of coverage. But since you are a Midwest guy and you have spent some time also up in Canada, can you talk? I'm to a, about, Can you talk I'm to from us the Northwest? Well, well, no. Well, my co-host is in the Northeast. I know you're currently up in the Northwest, but you've also spent time in St. Louis and yeah. you also spent time in Canada. So, you, can you talk to us briefly a little bit about your affinity for St. Louis? Because I know it's kind of a a uh, home away from home for you, and then also about some of your experiences up in Canada with our buddy Danny Doug. Yes, 
Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I'm not from St. Louis. I'm from Portland, Oregon, but I ended up going to St. Louis in 2009, and, man, right. I love St. Louis. Uh, I, I've never had more right? – yeah, no, totally, dude, totally. It's uh, I've never had more opportunity land in my lap than, uh, it, it, you know, in wrestling and outside of wrestling as being in St. Louis. Um, phenomenal. So um, – you know, wherever I live, I never wrestle locally. I don't know why that is. Maybe I'm an asshole. Probably because I'm an asshole. <laughs> That's probably what it is. God damn it, if I just keep my mouth shut. Um, so I didn't wrestle a lot in St. Louis. And, it, you know, it, it, took a time, it took a lot of time for that scene to develop anyway. Uh, there right. wasn't a whole lot going on there. Um. But Canada, I was brought to Canada in, what, April of 97 by Matt Bourne, and he and he said, hey, I'm going to bring you to Canada. I want you to come to Canada with me because there are going to be guys your age, and they wrestle like you do, and, and it's a little more free up there. You're going to be able to, to grow. And I didn't quite know what he meant, but I'm like, okay, because uh, Sandy Barr's promotion where I started was very rigid, very old school. Everything was called in the ring, but I liked that because then you, you learned what it's supposed to be. You understand? You learned to be in the moment. Um, but then when I went to Canada, it was just a free-for-all, and, you know, you're just doing a million spots. And, and yeah, though, you know, I, I was able to to spread my wings a bit, but uh, I, I toured up there from what? 97 until about 2001 and then just kind of made some appearances here and there until I got in with uh, Canadian Wrestling's Elite with Danny Duggan out of Winnipeg in September of 2016 and uh, and got in good with them and, and helped them to expand these tours because um, I always thought you know, we used to tour, ECCW toured British Columbia. You know, we did like a three-week tour. We would do two weeks on the road. Yeah, and then that all disappeared. I've heard about those. It all disappeared. And part of it was the economy took a bump, took a hit. But also, I believe it was bad business decisions. Um, I think that you need to... You you can't let the outsiders inside, or it you, you, it kills it, and that's what I saw. I saw the business decline and go in the toilet on the island because of that, and way up north because of that. So then our tours were no more, and I thought, well, damn, there's, there's there should be a massive national Canadian promotion. Canada has such a rich tradition of just stellar pro wrestlers. And um, and the Canadian fans are so passionate. Uh oh. Well, you know what? We're, I... we're great. We're we're grateful for those wonderful Canadian fans, and, and I know that they clamor for whenever it is uh, that they know that you're coming back up there. Are you planning on rejoining them sometime in 2020, Tony? Yep, that is the plan. I am figuring out. Uh, when, uh, you know, it's possible that I might be able to do, they got the biggest tour yet. I think it's 36 days. It goes from Vancouver to Montreal. Oh, my 
So, and actually, it's not just starting at Vancouver and going to Montreal. We start in Winnipeg. We work west all the way to Vancouver, where we have a show in Richmond, British Columbia. And uh, then we start heading across. And so after we start in the middle of the country and go west, then we trek all the way across east um, to Montreal, which is just above Vermont. So basically it's covering the entire United States back and then halfway across. Um, so it starts April 26th, goes till May 31st. I'm hoping I can do the entire thing, but I may join it in progress somewhere. I'm just waiting on word because I will be going back over to New Zealand um, in February for the next intake, and there's some huge news. I'm not going to say what it is just yet because I'm going to let them announce it. Um, but 2020 is going to be an enormous year for Fale Dojo as we continue to expand, and everybody will hear about that. And so they may need me there um, a little bit longer. It just it just depends. Um, so I don't know exactly when I'm going to join the tour, but my plan is to fly from Auckland to where? Edmonton, Calgary, wherever I can join the tour. One, well, I know so. the fans up there are absolutely clamoring uh, to get themselves a little, an, another dose of Tony Kazina. Joe, why don't you jump back in here, man, with any final questions you have for Tony uh, as we get closer and closer to the Wrestle Talk podcast game show challenge. Jonesy, what do you got on your mind? Oh, my goodness. What other questions could I have for uh, Tony? You know what? I I, I think that, that you guys have pretty much covered just about any questions I could have ever wanted to ask. So I, I said we go ahead and get into the uh to the uh Record Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. What do you say, Renee? Let's do it. Awesome. So intern Timmy, if you could please hit that Record Talk Podcast Game Show challenge. Are we doing game, game shows? Show. I got a question for me. I got a question for you. Tur- oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold the music. <laughs> Hold the music. What question do you have, Tony? Give me the similarities between a tiger and an elephant. Go. Similarities between a tiger and an elephant? They're I don't know. You're wrong, sir. Never mind. What? I'm just being <laughs> stupid. I listened to too much Jerky Boys back in the day. All right, continue on. Continue on with your celebration. I got hemorrhoids. I got hemorrhoids. Listen, listen. Go ahead and hit the music intern, Timmy, and give us the rules for tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. All right. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.